Welcome to Art for Conversations, a podcast about arts and cultural management. I'm Anita Latham. And I'm Katrina Ingram. We interview leaders who help shape the world of arts and culture, sharing their stories, their insights and observations. This season has been brought to you with the support of McEwen University and the Rosé Foundation. Welcome to Artful Conversations. I'm your host, Katrina Ingram. Today, my guest is Kathleen Darby, General Manager of the Creative Cities Network of Canada. Kathleen Darby is a leader and consultant with an exceptional background in organizational development, program creation and implementation, event management and service delivery. In a career that has spanned three provinces in Canada, she has held senior level positions in the cultural, education and hospitality sectors. She was the first executive director of the Costume Museum of Canada, the Winnipeg International Writers Festival, and Creative Manitoba, where she built the organization from the ground up. Her most recent post is with the Creative City Network of Canada, a national network of municipal cultural leaders dedicated to increasing the level of public engagement and awareness of the cultural sector in Canada. Welcome, Kathleen. Thanks very much, Katrina. It's great to be here. Well, let's start out with a little bit of history. Can you tell us more about the history and the mandate of the Creative Cities Network of Canada? Yeah, so the Creative City Network of Canada was established in 2002, so 18 years ago. And um, it was established because of the need to create connections for those who are working in culture at a municipal level. And it's grown from a handful of connections to over 100 municipal members now, as well as it has aligned with organizational members. In 2014, we added organizational members and individual members as well so it's a it's it's an organization that's been around for quite a long time and also has you know sort of developed over the years and you know the a lot of the work that um, CCNC has been doing has been toolkits and research and uh, development and training and networking and each year we have an annual summit of course this year we had to postpone our summit so it's 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 a very interesting organization and really has its ear to the ground and the grassroots kind of way and brings that kind of perspective to the overall cultural sector in in Canada and even internationally. Wow, that's quite a journey um, having uh, evolved over the last 18 years. What would you say are some of the significant milestones that you've seen on that journey or maybe one significant milestone that you've personally been really proud of or pleased to see happen? Well, I think the uh, the toolkits are a really a great resource. You know, I mean, many municipalities are going through the process of cultural planning. They they go into a process called official community planning, and often those official community plans are ten years kind of long, and then you know parts of 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 the uh, municipal structure are pulled out. So uh, the municipality might then have a cultural plan and other kinds of plans for you know. Uh, housing development and that kind of thing. So I think the toolkits really help in terms of that idea of cultural planning and um, and help to um, those those people who are working in those municipal jobs, municipal cultural jobs to 
look at how to implement effective cultural planning. So um, I think the toolkits are a real milestone for the organization. However, they're quite dated now. Mm. And, um, you know, the, the, the first toolkits were created in 2002. Uh, no, sorry, 2006, I believe. And we have a plan to update them. So yeah. I'm sure that in the next couple of years, we'll see updated versions of all three of the, the cultural planning, cultural mapping and public art toolkits. Yeah, it's always good to kind of keep things refreshed and, and make sure that you're on point for what's going on today. Um, I want to step back a little bit and, and talk a little bit more broadly about creative cities in general. Can you define what constitutes a creative city in Canada? Well, you know, I, I want to say that I, I think that all cities are creative cities. <laughs> um, I mean, how could how can you not be a creative city? Creative cities are are defined by their stories and their history and their people and, you know, the diversity of culture that exists in them. So, you know, how actively a city maybe pursues that idea of creative city um, might mean that it's more or less successful um, in, 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 in engaging its community in that regard. But most municipalities see the cultural sector as one of the aspects of creating quality of life um, for their citizens. So that might be, you know, having fest local festivals, or it might mean uh, supporting, you know, artist networks. Um, but what I want, one of the things I want to say is that there's kind of two aspects to the creative sector or the cultural sector. One is specifically around the sort of uh, artistic side and the creating of those stories and the dissemination of that. And so it's, it's not necessarily, you know, sort of based in the economic uh, structures. However, in the creative industries have more of an economic factor. So there's sort of a culture centric side to uh, creative cities and an economic centric side to creative cities. And a balance of that is important yeah. for cities and for community members to see in their city. That's a lovely way to, to think about it, just kind of thinking about the cultural side and the economic side. And I also like the fact that you say that every city is a creative city. We all have potential. Um, but I'm wondering about how we um, actualize that potential. How do we support and nurture creativity? What does that look like? And how can we stay engaged um, with the creative discourse, especially when we have this rapidly changing environment that's all around us? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that the the fundamentals of, of of cultural planning actually help us to do that in in many ways. So the the idea that you would bring the community together, I, cultural planning is is based on that grassroots communication that's needed so that people can actually bring their stories to the table they can they, they can look at the tangible and intangible cultural assets in their in their community and 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 discover um, how the citizens really feel about uh, about their their uh, their community so I think it, it, so municipalities have a sort of an obligation to do that, do that process of cultural planning. And that might include establishing uh, ways of 
creating financial support. It might include establishing community events. It would include embracing the diversity of, of the population and the stories that exist in your community and understanding the physical and mental well-being that creativity provides and the way that creativity helps us define and understand ourselves. And that's all in addition to the economic value, of course, of, of nurturing creativity as well. Right. There's a lot there, absolutely, to to unpack and, and seeing how the linkages um, form between kind of the planning and the actualization. And you mentioned uh, these toolkits, and that seems to be an important um, aspect. Um, you've actually produced three toolkits that are available online. There's cultural planning, there's a cultural mapping toolkit, and a public art toolkit. Um, can you dig in a little bit more and tell us the importance of these toolkits and how they were actually used by organizations and what that looked like, uh, the differences perhaps between how a small organization might apply the toolkit versus a large organization? Um, what did that actually look like in practice? Mm-hmm. I think that the cultural planning uh, toolkits, cultural planning mapping and, and public art toolkits are, are specifically created for that municipal cultural worker who's trying to drive that agenda within their municipality. I think that outside of, of that environment, so for example, any given cultural organization would be more of a participant and an observer of those of those things. So as a cultural manager, for example, I would want to know what cultural planning is about and know what my role would be in cultural planning. I was involved in developing the Creative Manitoba strategy, which ended in you know creating the Creative Manitoba organization. And, and that was a, a long process. It was a good six months or a year of developing the um, community to come together and discuss all of the implications of a a plan that would move an agenda forward within the province of Manitoba. So the same kind of thing happens at the municipal level. Um, I think that the uh, cultural planning is, uh, is, is one of the, one of the things that I think organizations, or I should say municipalities need to do as part of their cultural planning process is this idea of cultural mapping. Right. So cultural mapping being the mapping of the tangible. uh, So tangible being, you know, theaters and, you know, rooms where things might happen and um, maybe dance studios and those kinds of things, those kind of actual tangible and then the intangible like artist networks and and that kind of thing. So getting a really good idea of where all these things sit within the conditions of culture in your community is very important. And I wanted to just read a little quote from Nancy Duxbury in 2015. She said, cultural mapping is a mode of inquiry and a methodological tool in urban planning cultural sustainability and community development that makes visible the ways local stories, practices, relationships, memories, and rituals constitute places as meaningful locations. So I thought that was a really great quote to kind of illustrate how important cultural mapping is to the overall cultural planning process. And then just to continue on into the public art area, um, public art, of course, is one one tool of developing a cultural environment in your city and um, the idea of creating um, 
public art that reflects our our communities and our history and um, and and the newness of an immigrant community, for example, all of those things also play into that public art planning process and policy. And we've seen on our um, listserv recently a, a renewed interest in public art and public art policy and how to deal with some of the civic unrest that has happened over the past little while um, and using public art to sort of like ground those ideas and emotional responses to that kind of thing. So it's quite interesting how all of these things fit together. Yeah, you painted a really interesting and interlocking picture. And and thank you for sharing that quote um, as well. Um, and, and explaining how cultural cultural policy or sorry, cultural planning and cultural mapping kind of feed together. And I'm kind of curious about digging into cultural mapping just a little bit more. And going back to that idea of every city being a creative city and having potential. How do these two things then link together? How does cultural mapping kind of lead into this idea of finding the highest potential um, in a city's culture. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. The, the the cultural planning process that I went through with the city of Nanaimo, I think that the process really identifies assets that you might not even know about. You know, did you know that there was this network of of visual artists that were working out of this building and had never applied for a grant or anything? So how would you know that they were there? So that sort of to to be able to look at this overall, bring the community together to say, where are these assets, these tangible and intangible assets in the community? And how do we activate them? How do we use those that that discussion also to look at the problems that might need to be solved? Do we have the right theater spaces, for example, to um, offer to our community so that they can continue to grow and do the performances that they want to do? And what are the strengths that we can build on? Do we have, a, you know, an active artist community or an active heritage community or active immigrant communities who are contributing to the to the overall quality and, and understanding of who we are? So that cultural mapping to me is like kind of one of those essential things. It's, it's like grassroots uh, digging into who are we really like what are we doing and who are we really and I think that before before we enter into the cultural planning process cultural mapping is an essential piece and yes I mean it's going to let us know what are our strengths and where are the weaknesses that we need to address in our cultural plan and then how is that going to also inform the official community plan Right. Yeah. And that you raise a great point about identifying the assets and and kind of knowing what you have. And I'm wondering if either in your current role or in a prior role, you might have a concrete example of how that worked. So this, uh, this kind of process of identifying these cultural assets, and then kind of linking that back into cultural planning, if you have some kind of a concrete story around how that uh, has shown up in in the course of, of the work that you've done. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not sure that something's coming to mind just immediately on that one, Katrina. But the process that I went through with with the Creative Manitoba uh, development, we knew that there was there was a hole um, in terms of training individuals in learning how to do their work in the in the cultural sector. And so one of the main focuses of that work was to identify the 
holes in training and then to offer those. So, you know, for example, one of the areas we knew needed to be worked on was was governance. And so we identified that and did some specific work in that in that regard within that organization. So I'm not sure that I can give you any more concrete examples, but that it's all sort of feeding back into the overall planning process and decision making process. In the in the end, these cultural plans are are supposed to be living documents. So when it comes to policymaking at the council table or you know at the legislative table, hopefully these plans are informing the process of making decisions about how things will develop. Yeah, no, I think that's a great example about identifying gaps, seeing a need, trying to address that in, in your plan. Um, I'm wondering, what, what are some of the key characteristics that define a successful cultural plan? I want to point people to the cultural planning toolkit for the CCNC. Um, at, I do have some here with me right now that I can say, and, and some of those are a local definition of culture that focuses on more than just Eurocentric arts-based activities and heritage. So really getting digging deep into that local discussion, um, a focus on cultural resources and how they can be mobilized to help a community achieve their civic goals, a focus on building networks, very important to build those networks, relationships and partnerships, rather than facilities, for example, um, a process of broadly based community involvement and collaboration that includes representation of the community and its cultural sectors, neighborhood citizens, elected officials and other community leaders. So those are just some of the things that create a, a successful cultural plan. And you can see that a lot of them have to do with let's get together and talk about this and, 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 and discover what we have and who we are. Yeah, those are really good concrete examples. And I'm pretty sure we're going to be linking up to your website. So for those who want to dig a little bit deeper, they can look into that a bit more. Um, I'm curious about the perspective of an arts manager, um, because of course, our students are our future arts managers. And so having that perspective is interesting. What goals should an arts manager have for their organization to sustain cultural activity in the greater community? What should arts managers be thinking about? Yeah, audience development is a really important discussion, right? And then, of course, that that's going to be um, key to the success of organizations as they move forward, and also to the success of arts managers. I think it's important for us to identify that our audiences are fluid, first of all, that it's not just the same audiences that are um, going to be interested in the products that we create. So identifying, first of all, identifying who the new audiences are, for example, children, uh, young adults, uh, immigrant and refugee audiences, and, and then also how can we engage those people and those communities in in creating their own cultural products that might, you know, enliven cities as well. And then I think it's also important to, you know, sort of build into community life the idea of this is our festival. So, for example, you know, Nanaimo has a Silly Boat Festival and everybody goes to the Silly Boat Festival and it's part of community life there, right? Um, and, um, and then I think that also we need to make sure that we identify the barriers to audience participation and try and resolve those. So if, if people can't get to your venue, then how can you resolve that in your municipality by making sure that the buses are getting there and maybe you're offering free transportation 
transportation to uh, get to certain kinds of events um, and, and stuff like that. So, so those kinds of ideas in terms of identifying those new audiences, as well as looking into how to um, uh, galvanize a community around their local events, and then also finding those, those problem areas and trying to resolve them. I love working together with community. To I do love that. the Silly Boat Festival. I have not <laughs> heard of that. My goodness, that sounds really fun. Um, and and that you know what you've just said is actually a great segue uh, to my next question because I really wanted to understand the how. How do organizations and cities actually take these large cultural plans and prioritize uh, people and their community? How do they make sure that it's reflecting the community? And I think that Silly Boats uh, Festival example is a great one. Um, are there other things that you might suggest uh, that these organizations do? And and so so that they're not kind of importing. Um, other events or other cultural happenings and that the uh, the cultural plan and priorities are truly reflective of the community? Are there other things that you've seen in, in the course of your work that really get to the heart of that? Well, yes. I, I mean, one of the things is the, the ensuring that in Canada in particular, that um, all of the diversity of communities are represented at the table when you're when you're in, in, engaging in that planning process. So your indigenous communities, your immigrant communities, your you know, historical communities, they're all at that table. I think that otherwise, if we, don't, if we don't have those voices at the table, then we are not going to create an active community plan that's gonna be adopted and easily implemented in, a, in the community because people won't believe in it. They won't see themselves reflected in it. And, and I think that's the most important part is that people see themselves reflected in those plans and and again Katrina we municipalities are making their decisions based on these planning documents that they create so they will be moving agendas forward so for arts managers again being making sure that you get involved in those discussions at the community level don't ignore your local you know councillors and and, and cultural uh, municipal workers, talk to them, find out what the priorities are of your community, and then try to try to influence those priorities um, through your own engagement in those processes. Yeah, I'm hearing communication as a, a huge theme that's coming through mm -hmm. in this conversation. Um, I want to shift gears just a little bit um, slightly and talk about destination cities. So when a city distinguishes itself as a destination city, what are the challenges in trying to create uh, cultural organizations that are not tokenistic? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, this is a good question because what happens often is that we think, oh, well, let's just trot out this group or that group and that's going to, you know, the, the, the cruise ship shows up, let's trot this group out. Um, and, um, you know, we don't want to, um, you know, sort of misrepresent who we are by thinking that people will just come and we'll just experience this sort of, you know, entertainment rather than really experience the culture of the of the of the community. But let us let it be true to the feel of the place and to the sense of the community. Um, let's make sure that what we're what we're um, promoting and 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 disseminating to the people who are coming here is having a, a is having an effect of having them understand more the place that they're visiting to really deeply understand it, not just on a surface level. Right. Yeah. 
I'm, uh, I'm curious about this idea of collaboration, and I'm wondering how different uh, organizations can support each other, can collaborate with each other, and reinforce uh, the culture in their municipality. How have you seen that work in, in the course of your work? Well, I think we do that really well, actually, in the cultural sector. I think we've, we've had to do that um, um, to sort of develop and and move forward move move our agendas forward and particularly in times of crisis um we need to um develop those relationships and those communities and make sure that we have an understanding of what each other is doing um i think that more than anything there's sort of you know two things that i want to say around this like if you are choosing to go into running a municipal culture in an in a in a in a in a, in a city um as part of your career path for example then you might want to make sure that you understand municipal government really really well and that you understand that the idea of that is to make sure that you are connecting with people on the ground and bringing that perspective into the planning of of what's going on in your community and on the other hand as i said before if you're if you're working in the cultural sector already, making sure that you're connecting with those people um, and your MLAs and your MPs and and keeping in touch with them and making sure that you're at those tables, that's that's key. You know, when we get together and we have those discussions, we can have an effect on how things move forward and, and how and 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 we, and I don't think that we should really complain ab- about how they move forward unless we're doing that, right? right. Like we, we really should get get to those tables, even though sometimes it's difficult. We should do our best to get to those tables. Yeah, be at the table or live with the consequences of not being at the so. table. <laughs> right. Um, I want to take this down one more level uh, to that of the individual, and I'm wondering about what long-term strategies might be used to build culture that converts individuals and communities into recurring and engaged audiences? Yeah, I think we talked about that a little bit already in terms of audience development and how, um, you know, individuals who come from different uh, parts of the community, whether it's youth or the immigrant community, and how to make sure that we as um, arts managers are creating that inclusivity within our organizations and then making sure that we're communicating that to the uh, municipalities and 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 other levels of government so how do individuals um beca- become engaged it's because they are also being heard mm. right i think that if we're if if we're not i mean you could you could actually use an analogy from completely outside the cultural sector for example like you know religion people aren't going to certain kinds of churches anymore because it's just not speaking to them that's so. that is actually a really great analogy and just kind of figuring out then what is going to resonate with that person if it's not that other message how do you shift things great mm-hmm. analogy well let's talk about you Kathleen specifically <laughs> now you entered uh, your post as general manager at CCNC this past March how has that been so far during these very unusual times that we find ourselves in <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's actually very interesting because when I was talking to the vice president and president of the organization about the job in February, we didn't have a pandemic. Uh-huh. And um, however, the intention of CCNC was to move to more of a virtual environment anyway. So that was not a difficulty. We knew that this organization is nationwide. So, you know, having the opportunity to do video chat and stuff like that was something that was always on the table and that we would move more to that anyway. Um, however, we did intend to have a summit. And, um, and so the pivots that we had to do were significant. Um, so like I said at the beginning, you know, we, we established this series of national calls because we wanted to address the issues that people were facing. How, how could we support our community of municipal culture workers um, in a way that would make sense in terms of a pandemic? And really, we found out a lot about what was going on on the ground floor. And we recognize and 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 through them that the cultural sector is taking the biggest hit i mean maybe tourism but but the cultural sector is taking the biggest hit and and how difficult it was for the these municipal cultural workers to navigate those waters of closures of facilities and 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 laying off and redeploying staff and all the kinds of implications of that so we've I mean, as in terms of CCNC, it's actually been, uh, in a way, helpful because it's ha- made us look at the organization deeply and look at how we can better serve our our uh, membership and move, you know, our agenda forward and create training opportunities and information gathering and networking opportunities that will go beyond that, you know, sort of in-person summit. So I really feel. Uh, you know, very fortunate to be, have taken this job on at this time. If I had been working in a cultural sector organization, there would have been a much more difficult sort of road. And for me personally, but also I feel as though CCNC is offering our municipal um, membership a way of connecting that's helping them really navigate this and look at how they can support the sector moving forward. And we're also being asked by the provincial and national level to bring that grassroots perspective to those other levels of government as well. So I think CCNC has a big role to play in the in the recovery process. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it sounds like it for sure. And it sounds like really interesting learning that you had to personally navigate and just rethinking how you wanted to do that summit and, and rethinking how you want to support your community. You shared a little bit about your goals and plans for CCNC. Um, is there anything else that you want to share around that in terms of future vision, where things are going, either in 2021 or beyond? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we are working on national and international partnerships right now. Um, uh, one partnership that we're working on right now is with uh, the Canadian Commission of UNESCO. And um, there is, as you probably know, the UNESCO Creative Cities um, Network. And so we're going to be working up a relationship with with them to help Canadian cities uh, be successful in applications to become a UNESCO Creative City. Um, we are also doing regional mini summits uh, instead of 
our um, summit. Uh, and we're, you know, hoping to use some of the podcast material that we're working with Grant McEwen University on um, for those. Uh, so there's a lot of sort of plans moving forward. The organization is looking at how to really activate individuals that are members of the organization in terms of committee participation and developing uh, new ways of addressing the issues that cultural sector sector is facing, uh, but also new ways of supporting um, that work at the municipal level. So it's pretty exciting, actually, what's going on, the, that sort of like from the local to the national and international level. And um, I really see a lot of opportunities. And there's been time as well to work on structural things, you know, sort of very basic, you know, finance structure and, you know, operational structure things as well in the organization. So I feel like we're creating the solid footing and moving forward with the organization. Yeah. Well, that all sounds fantastic. Um, my last question before we wrap up, very open-ended, is there anything that you would like to add that I haven't asked you about or just any thoughts that you want to share um, as we bring our podcast to a close? I think I think I've done most of it. I think I mentioned also that I think that governance and I, you're going to be talking about this in a, in another podcast um, is a really important issue to understand the. The, the 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 relationship between governance and administration in organizations and I, and that's something that's been you know very um, high on my priority list as a cultural manager myself and I just feel really fortunate to work in an organization that has a clear understanding of those two uh, functions in the organization so that's one thing um, and also just a just a sort of a, a recap of what we've talked about and that is how um, cultural planning is really a grassroots um, process and to encourage people who are already in cultural management roles or who are considering cultural management roles to, to be engaged with their um, local and na uh, regional and national cultural managers uh, so that they can, they can have a voice at that table and make sure that their perspectives are being addressed. Wonderful. Well, Kathleen, I just want to say thank you so much for being here on the podcast today and sharing your perspectives about Creative Cities in general and the Creative City Network of Canada in particular. Thank you so much. Well, Annetta, I have to admit, I didn't really know much about the Creative Cities Network before I spoke with Kathleen. So this was such a learning experience for me. Oh, absolutely. And I think some of the things that she really hit on were really, really interesting. You know, the stuff that she talked about, about festivals being key parts of communities and not to overlook those and to, you know, think about the barriers to participation. But my favourite thing was the Silly Boat Festival. I'm absolutely going to have to Google that. <laughs> That was a really fun comment. Uh, the things that really stood out for me is this idea of building relationships across cities, across regions, globally, and really sharing what you know in terms of professional development. And I really think that's at the heart of what Creative Cities is all about. And it also struck me that you can do this from anywhere. We were talking, uh, Kathleen was based in a very small community in Vancouver Island. She's not in a major center, and yet she's heading up this national network. And so it just struck me that you don't have to be anywhere uh, major these days. You can literally be anywhere and connect to people. 
Yeah, totally agree. We've got so much to learn from what they, what she talked about. And I think it's, you know, and the website's there for all of us to jump on and connect with. So I think it was really exciting. This show was created by executive producer and host Annetta Latham, co-host Katrina Ingram and technical producer Paul Johnson. Research assistants involved were Caitlin McKinnon and McEwen Batcher of Music Students. Theme music by Emily Darfour and cover by Constanza Patcher. Special thanks to the Rosé Foundation for their support and to our guests. Artful Conversations is a production of McEwen University. All rights reserved.